Cześć everyone, my name is Anita Ulikowska. And my name is Anja Siemiączko, and we are your local foreigners. And welcome back. We haven't been here for such a long time. And you might guess that it's because the infamous COVID-19, which actually caused us to be separated between the two countries, Poland and the UK. And we're going to tell you a little bit more about our stories. But for now, we just wanted to welcome you back to our podcast. And for the first time, you will be able to see our podcast because we are recording a video as well. So if you want to, you can head to our YouTube channel and watch our conversation as well. So if you are watching this, uh, you might see that we are super excited to be recording. I know, it's all very different, very exciting and new. There's so many different topics that we want to talk about. But because we are in this very special situation, we debated whether we should talk about COVID-19 or not. And in the end, we decided that it would feel very strange if we completely ignored what is happening. The global pandemic. Right? (laughs) Because it's affecting all of us and especially because we are now um, separated between two countries because of the pandemic, we thought, well, it's it's impossible not to talk about (laughs) COVID-19. So in today's... A good old friend, (laughs) COVID-19. So today we, we want to just talk about it and dive into what life is like during the pandemic in the UK and in Poland. And obviously we are going to be presenting just our own personal experience. So by no means are we going to be talking, you know, presenting an overview of the situation in Poland or in the UK, because I personally feel like everyone, every single person on this planet is going to be having a very, very different experience and story from what is happening. Definitely. But I also think that we both have this kind of unique experience of being in two countries simultaneously in a way. And you being in the UK, experiencing that as a, um, well, a Polish immigrant, and then me being a Polish immigrant now back in Poland, but still very much in touch with everything that's happening in the UK and very much caring to, about what's happening and kind of observing it closely. And it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see are different perspectives on that as well, from a foreign perspective. I think it's going to be really interesting to start with what actually happened after... How did we get separated? Exactly, what what (laughs) separated us and how we ended up being in two different countries. So we should start... My story is more dramatic, isn't it? Because I actually got stuck and the borders shut down on me and I can't leave. (laughs) <laughs> Are we getting, let's go back to uh, beginning of March, because I think this is when we both left the UK for some time. And whilst I came back, you didn't. <laughs> let's go back a month, a month ago and tell us yeah. what happened. So I was traveling to Poland for a gig of my friend. Uh, I was traveling to Warsaw and the plan was to kind of just stay over the weekend and come back uh, the Monday after. And then I I had another appointment in Krakow. Uh, I think on Tuesday, so I extended my stay. My fiance went back to uh, London on Monday morning and I kind of just stayed. And I figured I didn't really have specific plans. So it's, it's quite telling that something was just dragging me 
away from flying back because um, I still try to get back to the UK as soon as possible. And in the very last minute, without booking any flights, I thought, well, actually, I'm so close to home. I could just visit my parents and stay for three more days and then come back on the weekend because, you know, I'm practically there. I'm just a few hours away. So I decided to do that. And I um, took a bus home. And between Tuesday night, that's when I got home, Mm -hmm. and Saturday, the situation in Poland was changing daily. So um, I actually am curious to hear your side of the story. Things were as dramatic in the UK, but in Poland... It was like watching a thriller with the twist at the like cliffhanger at the end of each day. I'm not even exaggerating. Each day we had new restrictions and new decisions. And whereas on Sunday I was still having fun at the gig in the capital with over a thousand people present. By Saturday, the borders were shut. We couldn't congregate in uh, over like five people, I think, by that point, because the number was kind of lowered down from 500 to 100 to whatever. And uh, yeah, my flight got cancelled and we were not allowed to leave the house, etc. You know, all the restrictions kind of got introduced, but the gist of it, I was not stranded because I'm home and I'm fine. I'm with my parents, but um, at that point, I knew I wouldn't be coming back to the UK anytime soon. And it's sort of continues and it's been a month we at least kind of flown by mm. but um yeah here we are still uh, very much apart <laughs> in different countries so my my side of the story was at the beginning of march i i was uh, traveling to um i was i was abroad on a holiday and still then everything seemed pretty much normal. I mean, like we knew that the pandemic is, um, well, I think at the time it was still called an epidemic um, and it was, um, it was spreading, but it still felt like it wasn't something that was concerning us personally because it felt so far away. The main um, hubs were in the uh, Asian countries and then also the situation started getting a lot more serious in Italy, but it still felt far away enough to feel safe so we boarded our flight as normal nobody was wearing any masks and we flew without any disruptions we flew back around I think it was on the 10th of March we came back and when we flew back everything still was normal and I knew that there were already uh, cases of uh, of COVID-19 in the UK and the numbers were quite high I mean nothing nothing like the situation in Italy but for example a lot higher than in Poland and some other countries in Central Europe so I was like okay this is strange because I'm seeing in the news that the reactions of other governments when the cases are the numbers are much lower are very visible whereas in the UK everything is normal the turning point was uh, for me I remember on the 12th of March so that was a couple of days after I came back from my holiday on that day I just randomly I got an opportunity to go to a big conference in London oh yes I called you then remember exactly and I was like oh my god I really like I really want to go this is such a great opportunity I really need this. I really want this. But on the other hand, I was like, well, but what about the 
the epidemic. But on the other hand, well, I'm running out of hands now, but on the third <laughs> hand, the government, like the, the British government is, is not giving any advice. So I thought, okay, maybe it is still safe to go. But I was really hesitant to go. I would have been so terrified for you because yeah. it was so interesting to watch you and the UK kind of go about the normal day-to-day life and you were there on a public transport. So I had you on a public transport like going to some conference. At the same time, I had friends who abandoned all public transport and literally locked themselves in uh, <laughs> on the 12th of March already. They were everyone, no one would even think about, um, you know, jumping on a bus or a train. And I even had um, uh, my parents' friend who were trying to get their daughter um, back home from the place she was studying in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that friend was freaking out about the fact that, you know, her daughter might be taking public transport. So she decided to drive there with her husband and pick her up. Gosh. No one was using public transport. So imagine my shock then to you know, talk to you on the way to the conference and I can hear all the people on the on the overground and uh, kind of just everything sort of happening as normal in London. And it was a shock. I remember it being a shock. Yeah, and I remember being so confused because, yeah, like from, I'm getting this information from Poland, the situation is really serious. There's like six six cases, I think that was at the time, like less than 10. Uh, oh no, sorry, I'm lying. I think it was uh, around, oh, was it around 60 or was it six? But like the number of cases in Poland was frac- was a fraction compared to the numbers in the UK. So Poland's like, shut the borders, no one leaves home, you know, don't go to work. And I'm on the way to conference and I'm sat, and I, I remember that I was sitting on the, on, the, on the overground and there was a gentleman sitting in front of me and he coughed at me. Like, <laughs> no, he did not even cover his face. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That's like the last thing. <laughs> yeah. That was literally, that was like the that. last the last straw for me and also I had you on the phone and at that point how I decided I'm 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 going back so on the way to conference I was already halfway there I decided to turn around after speaking to you and that guy coughing at me and and went back home and saved your life basically I need to remember that possibly yeah possibly exactly (laughs) not the first time though Um, yeah, so I, I went back and, um, and that night we had a conversation with my boyfriend and we decided that we are leaving London. So we were lucky enough to have another place to go to away from London. And we decided to come here, not knowing that we would, as dramatically as this sounds, would not be coming back. So we actually, after a week of staying away from London, we had to end our contract in uh, our renting contracts in in London, and go back and essentially move out during the pandemic situation. Which by that time, the situation in in Britain became a lot more serious, and uh, social distancing when it was introduced, and later on a lockdown as well. So within a couple of weeks, literally our lives changed dramatically it was incredible mm. it's one of the best pandemic stories i've heard personally like personally from friends changing your life without previously planning to sort of on a spot and just making really big life decisions um mm-hmm. kind of spurred by that situation mm-hmm. and um and it's 
you know, I think it's just such an exciting change. In your case, it's not, you know, it's not like a negative change. It's a huge change, but it's kind of just like a new chapter. And I actually wonder, uh, and I would love to hear from people about, um, you know, kind of positive changes that the pandemic caused. And it's not really... I don't want to kind of be happy, go lucky, positive, yay, COVID. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> At this stage, because obviously it's a huge tragedy for so many people. But it'd be interesting to see um, and hear about uh, decisions and changes um, that the pandemic caused uh, in our lives and, you know, kind of maybe preemptive changes, because obviously the changes will happen post this whole thing. But um, I think they, that a lot of them are happening now to our lives. And, and it's, it, it's also just very exciting. I also feel very strange using like very positive language around the situation because I understand that for so many people like you said it's a it's just a tragedy or simply a very difficult time if you're for example one of the key workers I understand that but at the same time we we must acknowledge that um, there are some positive um, outcomes of what is happening and um, just before uh, this conversation I was speaking with my friend who lives in London and she actually said that she could not be uh, diagnosed with uh, with a test but then she was advised by doctors over the phone that most likely she's got a COVID-19 so she's had to self-isolate and she's been having really you know physically uh, in terms of her health hard time over the past two weeks but she said that I, I've been gifted time it's a difficult time from the health perspective but I I have the gift of time and I'm reading like crazy I'm catching up all, on all the things that I wanted to do for so long I am really focusing on myself and how to get the most out of the situation for myself so whilst it's a terrible situation there are there is always that second that the other side so you're right like I would also love to to hear other other people's stories of in general like what what has been the main shift in in their life maybe positive maybe negative maybe neutral but I'm sure that we are all collectively going through Mm. a massive shift whether we want it or not right yeah definitely so ever since you came to your home in in Poland what has life been like for you? In short, actually, it's uh, it's kind of like being back in 2008 for me. <laughs> like I just moved back in time mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a kind of blissful sort of existence. I think I've been extremely blessed with um, the fact that I haven't got any key workers in my family or amongst mm-hmm. friends. So uh, I'm not worried sick every day about them because I think I would be definitely that person. Um, and um, and it's been sort of, you know, I've been taken care of. I don't have to worry about anything because I'm, I'm with my parents and my brothers here as well because he's working remotely. I'm working from home and my work is quite, well, I've worked from home in the past as well or had the option to. Um, so it doesn't feel... Um, as dramatic of a change, I guess, in that sense, or I haven't been disadvantaged in any way. Quite contrary, I think my life has become much more comfortable because I'm just in the comfort of a bigger home within my London flat, kind of just with my family and being taken care of and uh, and being able to work um, and 
yeah have that time as you said for all this stuff because um, I haven't got distractions and so I just spend that time on me doing things I love doing that I usually haven't got time for mm-hmm. so it's a strange sort of blissful day-to-day existence of just um you know getting my introvert out that's been hiding there all along and reading and watching things and writing and it's and it's been quite good actually and please don't hate me because I sound like such a <laughs> I guess in a way because I hate to be that sort of person when because I can only imagine what the families who have key workers their families you know going through and so many people have been furloughed the new English word for all of us well for me certainly <laughs> I've never heard of it before I have to look it up <laughs> um so yeah so that's it's really tough times for so many people um and I kind of don't want to I don't really want to um wave the flag of happiness around and yeah this is great but I guess I've been very fortunate and very privileged to do what I love doing with and have people around me that I love and I'm in touch with other people that I love and I guess maybe what I can say here is that we who are this privileged and fortunate, I think, can do the bare minimum, and that is staying home, not getting in the way, and um, and helping. If we still have jobs, donating money. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can do things like make masks, let's make masks mm-hmm. or all that stuff. Or if we can't, if we don't have the ability to do anything practical, like myself. <laughs> Maybe just donate money or spread the word. And I think there's a lot we can still do. And I think that's important to remember that as well, you know, and not go out. Actually, so what's the situation like when it comes to going out? Because in the UK, we still have the ability to go outside for um, one hour a day to do one form of exercise only with the members of your household like this is drilled into my mind right now (laughs) Uh, and Um, I I feel like this is still a privilege because I think when I was um, uh, having a conversation with my brother who lives in Poland with his family he said that whilst at the beginning of the pandemic you could still they could still go to the forest with the kids now they can't do that so yeah. what is it like? Um, well, the situation in Poland is much, I think the restrictions are much harsher. But I guess, I guess in a way they make sense because I, I, I remember hearing about the British restrictions. And I remember thinking, but how are you going to implement that? So you obviously put a lot of trust in people. Mm. And um, I think that it's actually really interesting to see how the government interacts with the people in Britain in and in Poland, mm-hmm. or maybe in generally like post-Soviet countries, because a lot of trust is put in people. So I think government trusts people to do an exercise, like an exercise a day. Mm-hmm. So in Poland, it's very much different. It's kind of you cannot go out and you can't be checked on the street. So you can um, you can only go to get food and you know within reason. So I think there was someone caught driving from Warsaw to somewhere else. And claiming that they were going shopping and they still got fined because that was kind of just like, are you seriously going shopping outside of your city? You have to either go shopping or you go into pharmacy, a doctor, or maybe assist your um, elderly family members or whoever that needs help. And you have to um, have that reason. You can walk a dog and that's the only walk that's allowed. I think the general rules that you can kind of 
go kind of refresh yourself outside for a brisk walk but you can't you can't do any sports so sports is generally not allowed so jogging riding a bike you will get fined for it i guess it kind of makes it easier to implement but obviously it must be absolutely terrible to for anyone without a garden or any kind of well a garden actually because then even the public gardens are shut and parks are shut and mm-hmm. Um, playgrounds you know all of that so yeah how many people are like jogging and walking and kind of getting about right now do you think Um, it's very hard to say because it depends on the time of the day I tend to go out either very late at night or very early in the morning so Mm -hmm. when I sometimes go for um, a jog around the park um, around 8 a.m you can see people but not very many people Uh, whereas at night it's totally empty Uh, but also you know I'm talking about like small city in in the UK it's not London actually on that uh, in terms of London when we did have to go back uh, to pick up all our stuff from our old flat in London I remember having to go to the pharmacy around 5 a.m I think 5 30 mm-hmm. uh, sorry 5 30 p.m in the afternoon so typical rush hour in in London that time and it was also middle of the week and I was walking past um, a little um, exchange hub in West Hampstead so there is Thameslink overground and underground or within a very short walk so normally around that time of the day it's packed with people honestly there's cars people everywhere I was walking there there was only a few people but the interesting thing is that when I went to the pharmacy I um I said to my pharmacist that it's it's such an eerie atmosphere because there's no one there and she said you wouldn't believe in the morning it was so packed with people they felt like as if COVID-19 was not happening you know, so wow, okay, yeah. So just it's just uh, another testament to to the fact that everyone has a, is going to have a very different experience of what is happening. There's no objective view of the of the situation because we will all have our subjective views and experiences. But when it comes to that um, uh, rule around exercising once per day, um, yeah, like I said, in the evenings it's 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 very quiet here. But I do sometimes see uh, people breaking the rules. Sometimes you do see teenagers, for example. Um, I, I have seen a few groups on a few different occasions. Um, that's another thing, actually, uh, in Poland, which is actually, I think, one, one of the stricter ones, because mm-hmm. that's what they really wanted to stamp down on, is mm-hmm. our kids just roaming the streets and stuff. So now, if you're under 18, you cannot leave the house without an adult. Oh, Okay. So uh-huh. that's what I think was one of the strictest measures here. So no kids are allowed outside mm-hmm. unless supervised. So I guess that prevents so any group of kids can be stopped on the streets and kind of asked to, you know, by the parents. And the fines are actually pretty um, high as well. And that's another difference that I've noticed between the UK and Poland. You know, like here, I think you can be fined 500 zloty, which is 100 pounds, but obviously in kind of more um, accurate um, conversion, it's 
much higher than uh, a value of a hundred pounds to someone. So maybe equivalent, we can just say five hundred pounds. Yeah. Uh, as in, how do you feel the lack of you know five hundred what is a lot of money? But also, if you break a quarantine, say you're um, you feel like you're ill, but you're not very ill, or you you know you sort of. Maybe you're waiting for your test results. You're quarantined, and you want to leave for the, you know, to get groceries, and you can't do that. So you absolutely cannot leave your house if you're in official quarantine. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you can be fined up to thirty thousand water. That's six thousand pounds. Wow! Because they kind of really stumped anyone who has COVID needs to stay in and just kind of report it and they will, you know, do shopping for you. But for 12, I think it's 14 days that you can leave the house for. So when I heard about the fine, you know, I think it's 30 pounds in the UK, isn't it? You can be fined if you break the rules. I'm not entirely sure if if that's not, if there's more fines in existence as a uh, a regulation, let us know. But I think I've heard about 30 pounds fine and, um, that's not a lot, is it, for a mm. majority of British people? Not at all. And uh, the funny thing is that actually, uh, just after they introduced that restriction, I remember going for a walk and I was walking around the park and I actually stopped because I was on the phone with, with my friend and I stopped and I sat down for, for a moment and I was sat there for, for a few minutes and I saw a police car in the park. You know, like driving towards me. And I'm like, oh, like, it's really good that they are actually monitoring the situation, you know, but I was just sat there, oblivious, like on my phone, having a bit of rest and they drove towards me. Like they, they drove, they were driving for me. So yeah, I was like, oh my God. And, and, I, don't know. I got scared because I thought maybe I was, I was doing something wrong. And, you know, said they said to me, like, what are you doing? And I said, you know, I'm getting my exercise, you know, one hour per day. And they on said, the bench. Yes, yeah, so why are you not exercising? Why are you not? And I was like, oh my God, of course. Classic. Classic. Right. But I, was like, no, I, I actually said, thank you for letting me know because I want to, I don't want to be a risk to anyone. And you, you're probably not a risk, but it's just about what's the example you're setting for others. And I was like, yes. I'm I'm on it. I'm with you. I'm I'm moving my ass off the off this off the grass, and I'm going. So I was really glad that they you know they checked, but obviously they were like very polite in um in their approach. They just they gave me a you know kind of like a warning, like just move your ass. Um, but and I I do see whenever you could, I go you could have walk, just been there. That's like maybe like moving your leg up and down, or like just doing this. <laughs> And then would that come towards your daily exercise on the bench, you know, just bench <laughs> exercise or grass, yeah. like suddenly just like you could have just done like a downward dog, <laughs> you know, sat on the grass. But yeah, so you can see uh, that most people are adhering to, at least in my experience, most people are adhering to the restrictions with the exception of um, again, in my experience, a few groups of, um, of teenagers. Yes. Mm. And then another interesting thing is that I, at the beginning, um, when social distancing was introduced, I think most people, well, including myself, didn't really know how, like, what are we meant to be doing actually with the social distancing, you know, like when you, when you queue in the shop, are you meant to be keeping distance or like how much is actually the distance? So whilst at the beginning, everybody seemed to, really just carry on as normal 
and just try obviously not to like shake anyone's hands and just you know like the very basic precautions uh, were being kept now when you walk on the sidewalk people would actually maneuver around you and really like either or even cross the streets or they would stop so you can pass if the sidewalk is yeah. uh, is very narrow so it's totally different situation from what it was a couple of weeks ago also every, every shop is introducing their their own uh, rules of managing crowds so sometimes you would have um, you would just have a line by which you have to stand or recently last time when I was uh, shopping uh, you couldn't even walk up to the till but you had to queue in a in a long queue of people and then you were just being called out to you know like till number number three till number four till number eight and you just go one by one and when you stand in the queue you also keep the distance between the people yeah so again like people are adapting very quickly Mm -hmm. here and they are adhering to to the new regulations yeah, it's kind of become just a new norm, I feel like. Right. I guess maybe because it's also been over a month of this being the case in Poland. So it's kind of just, um, yeah, it kind of feels normal in a weird way. Mm. But it's just, you know, what we need to do. Actually, tomorrow we all have to wear masks in public. That's compulsory, everyone. So that's also like going to change the visual phase of pandemic, literally. <laughs> and, you know, we will see it everywhere. And even if it will, even if it feels calmer and okay and not so threatening, I guess, you know, like in Poland, the situation is not dramatic. It's not, obviously nowhere is great, but it's not terrible. But, you know, having everyone wear masks, I think it will just also create that awareness of this is what we're dealing with. That's what we need to do. Uh, where do you buy the masks from? And is it, do you have to buy it on your own or are you provided with a mask by the government? Um, no, you have to have your own mask. Um, you, you, I think everyone's had a week to um, get them, but they're not actually, well, actually, I can't obviously speak for the whole country, but in my town, uh, there's just been plenty of masks, so kind of lots of, oh. um, yes, you know, people kind of even in markets and individual sellers just started selling masks, which maybe they made on their own, because basically it, you can't kind of wear, you have to cover your face and nose, so whatever you do, you can wear a scarf if you want to, but, you know, you have to just cover it. So it doesn't have to be like a medical mask or anything, it just has to be a oh. mask. And um, all shops pretty much sell masks now, and... There's definitely, there's no shortage of masks, as in like just regular, you know, masks in um, in this part of the country. And they're quite cheap as well. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to chat on the, um, the phenomenon, like more like British phenomena and kind of the British, because uh, maybe actually the British don't see it as um, well themselves, because it's probably hard to maybe see a national trait as mm-hmm. different once you're in your own country. Well, in your own country, I hate that I said that, but in your country. <laughs> um, and, you know, the whole phenomenon of NHS volunteering, uh, which has been exceptional, I think, worldwide, the British public that kind of just rushed to help. And I kind of want to say, especially in the light of what I've seen in Poland, which we don't really, we haven't done this, and there hasn't been a call out for any volunteers and there's been one um, event of clapping because <laughs> that's part of the and it's um, 
uh, and they showed it on TV later that day. They ha- didn't really tell anyone, so we were not aware. We were supposed to clap at some point during the day, mm-hmm. and the and the the montage sequence on TV on the news was hilarious because it literally showed three blocks of flats clapping. So I don't <laughs> know whether they just arranged those people to clap, like in the one <laughs> district of Warsaw, did they just clap and they filmed it? Uh, maybe we all felt jealous of the UK spirit, but it was incredible to hear. Um, you know what's happening that kind of real solidarity mm. amongst the Brits who you know are so we, we're British as well in some well we are British as much as we are Polish and we are part of Britain and Britain's such a hugely multicultural multinational nation and country mm. uh, and you'd think it would be difficult it'd be more difficult to unite people in that way and yet it was completely the contrary. So please report back, uh, reporter <laughs> in, the, in the UK. I had my first clap last week. Um, I knew about it. <laughs> I think it was the, the the third time, either the second or the third time uh, in a row. So they happen on Thursdays at 8 p.m. It was actually started by, uh, from what I, I was reading, by a Dutch person in London. Uh, so she, I love this. We right? need to okay say it again because we all need to remember that a foreign Dutch person in London started the clapping. Started the, the clap. Prove this whole point of our podcasting, really. Yeah, exactly. That. And um, it was because I think the similar similar uh, tribute was paid to um, the the Dutch. Um, you know, version of NHS. I think it was a, a girl. She thought that it was a, a beautiful thing, and she managed to start that in in the UK, and it got picked up very quickly. And I think the Brits are really good at that. You know, like they are. Well, the Brits, the like you said, the the the, the multicultural society in in the UK is very good at picking such things up, and. Um, and just uniting in this like very emotional way. And I do feel that the Brits are really proud of the NHS. Um, They do, you know, they they do talk, they do complain about it. Everybody complains about it. But I think like the prevailing feeling, especially among Brits is pride in NHS. So I'm not surprised that they are paying that tribute to um, to the key workers and particularly the medical staff. Whilst I didn't know about the, the first and second clap, um, and I, I thought actually that the second clap didn't happen in our street, but apparently it did. And uh, the, the last one last, the, the one last week, we went outside and it was so emotional. Everybody, most most people in the street were out and they were clapping and it just really felt like we're all in this together. And also after uh, after the clap, some people stayed and, and they chatted, you know, between the neighbors, um, keeping the social distance. And it felt really nice. And I also heard that in some neighborhoods, people meet up for like, like coffee in the morning, but it's, they just, walk out in in like a little neighborhood they just um, walk up uh, stay on their porch yeah someone was having a party as well in that way yeah it's like, like DJ down the street but not not together so like being together but not together which is also really really nice and it's amazing isn't it and actually that's kind of communal british spirit sorry to kind of just but you went because yeah. it's not i think we in poland we're much more um insulated in our own homes i think we're very much like 
we're now home kind of people. And, you know, the community in Poland is very different. I think it's more on the serious side. You know, when there's a threat and enemy, we unite. And we're very serious about a lot of things and dramatic, as with the pandemic as well. Yeah. But we haven't got that sort of, oh, we're just throwing a street party thing. Mm-hmm. It never happens. And yet in Britain, there's a different sort of more just like fun side to the community. And that's and then as a very, very important, if, the most, if not the most important side, kind of we're going to keep the, you know, spirit up. And even the um, media reporting, which I'd actually like to just touch upon later, but um, that expression in, in a good spirit, mm-hmm. you know, that would never, no one even would comment on your mood in, you know, like say if our prime minister was sick it would not be an expression to use. And I think it's all tied in together culturally and linguistically in a sense as well. And it's brilliantly seen in, yeah, in initiatives like that all over the country. Yeah, I really appreciate this about the, the British culture. Um, and another thing, uh, so on the topic of NHS and the support for it, like you, you mentioned um, the volunteer response was incredible. First of all, I'm so impressed with NHS for creating a platform literally within days. There was a platform, well, a collaboration between NHS and um, uh, and uh, I think either the Samaritans or another organization, but like another volunteer organization. As a result of their collab, they they created this platform where you can you essentially have an app and you can register as a volunteer uh, supporter for NHS, and you can select the activities that you want to be providing support for, and you just do everything through the app. Incredible, and also the um, the response was so big that they actually had to pause recruitment. So I found out about it too late at the time when I wanted to apply for uh, volunteering. They already had paused um, recruitment, so I actually had to go to my local pharmacy and um i just went and i asked you know how can i help because i live locally so i can like you know pick up prescription and if you need any help and they said there is this organization that is also uh, creating volunteering opportunities so get in touch with them so i actually had to you know like go out of my way to find another way to volunteer because the response was so big and it was incredible another friend of mine also tried to volunteer and and yeah, she kind of just couldn't because yeah, they kind of just run out of places, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? exactly. So many people wanted to help, and um, and I also have to mention here my um, my landlord, well, ex landlord now, uh, Chris, who take holiday from his from his normal paid job so that he can volunteer his time at Nightingale. So there there, is, there are people like that as well. I feel lucky to be in the UK, even though their response of the government was quite late compared to other countries, I do feel like we really are in this together and collectively we are acting quite responsibly and we are now very aware of the full gravity of the situation and, you know, like the, the tribute for the NHS and the appreciation for the key workers is very important and that's keeping the spirits up, like we were talking before as well. So, yeah, I just feel very grateful to 
to be here and to to be in a relatively safe place as well. I also had a reflection recently that um, this situation is just is showing how, um, in a way, like do we do we even belong to any country? You know, like I, I feel like the pandemic is really showing us that we are a planet, you know, one big planet. And we have these, you know, these carefully um, constructed um, countries and rules and cultures and divisions. But really, right now, there are so many people who are really feeling that, you know, like you, you don't belong to only one country, or that whilst before you were considering yourself a citizen of a country, now you might be stranded in, an, in another country because there are cases like that. And all of a sudden you, you become an immigrant, you know, even without your own will. So it's really interesting on that, um, you know, like almost like philosophical level to see what is happening to our identities. And are we really citizens of, a, of one country? Or do we, are we starting to feel a lot more cosmopolitan? Are we starting to feel a lot more connected? Are we feeling like maybe whilst before we felt that, you know, it's us and them, us, the citizens of uh, nationals of a country and immigrants. Now we're all working together to, to tackle this situation. So are we starting to see ourselves in a slightly different light? Yeah, and it's just a situation where we're all in the same boat all over the world, no matter what uh, country we currently live in or what national identity we kind of um, say we belong to. I think, um, I mean, in my like to me, it never mattered, and that's my like life's work will always be to sort of dilute the national differences because I don't, I never thought they mattered um, in any way. Um, Apart from maybe they're just, you know, they're fascinating, the cultural differences and how we kind of navigate our lives around cultures and languages. And that's super interesting. But in that sense, as you're saying, it sort of doesn't matter. Mm. And I think the pandemic really shows that it doesn't matter because we're all in the same boat and, um, and we can't win this in a single country. You know, unless we completely just shut our borders forever and then just produce everything. Um, like we're all a codependent planet mm-hmm. um, and we're all citizens of our planet that we need to take care of. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's literally the only thing that matters now. And kind of united, we, we, we can only win. And I know it's such a, such a lofty thing to say, but it's really true that uh, we kind of need to cooperate because we're all experiencing exact same fears, emotions. We, I think whoever's listening in general, I think on a more existential level, we all experiencing the same um, fears right now, the same hope, the same changes. And that's probably never, ever happened before. Because even when you think about the wars, wars affect different countries differently. And and we, and it's, Obviously, in the Western world now, everything's kind of being, this situation is being referred to as like first time since the Second World War. But really, Second World War didn't affect everyone in the world. Mm. This is a very, you know, kind of um, Western-centric views, plus maybe some other countries. But the pandemic now actually affects us all 
like everywhere. And that's huge. That's never happened before. And I think if anything, I hope we take a lesson um, from that and start being more together and more supportive of each other. And I smile a little seeing the um, the headlines. Obviously, Boris Johnson took, the, took over the headlines in the UK, which is interesting in its own right to see because... Mm-hmm. Polish media kind of took an exactly opposite approach of big tragedy and numbers and facts and just like here we are reporting very seriously about this and Britain's just like oh Boris Johnson's in a good spirit great <laughs> um, but um, so it's fascinating to see that difference of um, what we communicate and what we want people to know mm-hmm. um, but um, one of the nurses was a he was a Port- he's a Portuguese nurse who Boris Johnson thanked personally and you know and obviously you know you have to sort of not to get too political but think back about the whole Brexit situation and the sort of um, address of Boris Johnson telling us that we shouldn't feel too comfortable in the UK or in general as immigrants um and, you know, there's a, there was a lot of uh, hostility as well as support. Obviously, it went side by side. And it's just, I think it was just so beautiful that one of the nurses was a, you know, was an EU citizen, was Portuguese, and, and so much of the NHS staff are from all over the place. And um, as is the UK, you know. And I don't know, I think, it, I think it must have meant something for everyone who's a European living in the UK and... You know, but also very much part of um, Britain, British culture. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And I think this is a, a really um, beautiful point to to finish this episode at and just finish with that uh, with that thoughts in in our heads. What really matters? You know, what's the most important thing in in our lives, in our personal lives, but also collectively. And I think this is a really good time to reflect on that. We would love to find out from you guys how you are dealing with the situation and again, what has been the major shift in your lives lately. So do let us know and let's start a conversation about this and let's start exchanging our immigrant stories because we're all immigrants right now in a way and um, support each other in, in this way you know so definitely if you would like to share a story you can um you can find us on instagram at your local foreigners and you can also find us on youtube and your local foreigners channel and you can comment below the video as well and you can also find us on stitcher and spotify and um, apple podcast and podbean get in touch with us and um we are hoping that you are taking care of yourselves and that you are keeping as well as you can be right now because it's a, it's a difficult situation for all of us. We're all experiencing change and a massive shift, but we will come out on the other side and stay at home, wash your hands. <laughs> and um, we will be, be back. You will be back. Exactly. A month and a half. We've finally figured this out. So hopefully we can move on from COVID and we'll be back with our usual ramblings on foreign life in the UK. Memories of it. 
Precisely. So we will keep entertaining you um, during this difficult time as well. So we will catch up with you in our next episode. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much, guys. Paneczko. Papa, Nitko. Pokochanie.